Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 30, coming at you from the Minger True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric Fisher, the Big E, man on the ones and twos, and I'm joined here in person by Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how are you doing, buddy? What's going on? And joining us via Zoom once again, the father, the coach, Justin Dahl. How you doing, Justin? Oh, I've, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've had better days. Eric, you got, you got a little bit of a taste of it when you showed up and, and tried to watch the game the other night. I, I've got a sick kid, and it's, o- it's only gotten worse from, from that night. So, oh, boy. Uh, it, it's been, a, it's been a, a rough couple of days. He's trying to figure it out. He's, we went uh, and, and started our third trip to the doctor today. Uh, so we're, we're hoping that this time it's going to fix the situation. Well, definitely our concern and thoughts go to you, Justin. Yeah, it's, it, it's a double, you know, a normal kid thing, double ear infection type stuff and, and, uh, little stuff that's roaming around at the daycare that he might've caught. And so we're just trying to figure it out, get him the right medicine and get, get back on the right track. Well, we are rooting for you. You know, and people Thank always you. go, hey, Ramsey, you should have kids. That sounds like absolutely zero fun. <laughs> today, I'm not going to lie to you, Ram Jam. Today was absolutely zero fun. Yeah, see, I only do things that are fun. Well, you didn't uh, come for July 4th. To I, was, I was going house. to. I was going to. It was awesome. The well, fireworks show was awesome here. My wife wanted to hold your child. She could have. That's what I figured. I thought, I'm like, hey, you know, we could probably work something out. But it got kind of late. I was already up there during the day, and it was, uh, it was an ordeal. Yeah, I know. Eric, Eric explained to me that you said that you weren't ever going to come over and sit by a fire and have a beer with me. He, he already said he knew that. So. Hey, I don't want to spread hate on the pod. You said he, it, not he me. To- he totally ratted you out. That's so. fine. I don't really want to go to Gillette for any reason. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, come on. Can you imagine saying, let's, let's, oh, let's, we got a lot to talk about saying, hey, I want to go Not to Gillette. Hey, you said you wanted to keep it tight. Oh. Now you just opened the, you opened the wide open floodgates mm-hmm. here. Yeah, so we're going to move on from that. We start off every episode with what we started off with, Monkey Knife Fight, partners over there, play the games, play the contest, win some money, and that you can go spend on Ray's Energy, code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four, Code Root for the official energy provider of the Root for Wisconsin show. Powers us. Let it power you. Join the Razor Rebellion. Code Root for and RepSports.com. And we started off with what we always do. What we had rooted for. Sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics. Find your team. Find your team's store. 300 powered stores available. Whether you're on top of the world, maybe go buy some Bucks gear in the NBA Finals, or maybe you're on the bottom of the world and and just trying to find something to root for, fanatics.com, hashtag love on. We'll start with that, and I'll let you guys go first. What did you root for over the last week? And I'll go with Justin. Uh, I rooted for, uh, you know, I, I kind of talked about it earlier. Um, earlier, we've been on the air for three minutes. Just, just getting the kid healthy, man. He had, it was a rough 4th of July. We, we were trying to have a, a, a good like party over the weekend and, and that kind of just set us back. And so some, some unexpected trips to, to green Bay because that was the only pharmacy open over the weekend. So 
that's what I've rooted for. We're we're going on the right track. The kid's getting better. In fact, the wife just got home with him. So I'm hope that's what I rooted for, and I'm gonna stick on that. Other than that, sports wise, Road America. It was great. Uh, I thought different strategies. The racing was great when you were in crowds. Uh, I hope they keep it on July 4th. Um, just, you know, uh, Chase Elliott ran away with it at the end, kind of. But the racing there was not boring. It was it was very entertaining. Yeah, I know that nothing but positive things have come out from NASCAR and from the drivers. And and every, everyone involved, really, just a great experience. Road America, shout out to... Uh, lower part of Wisconsin down there for putting on an amazing weekend for NASCAR and and really showing what Wisconsin's all about. I know Chase Elliott was all fired up. He uh, he had gotten some slack recently in the media saying how he wasn't having fun as a defending champion and even his own dad kind of giving him some grief. But Chase Elliott got the win Sunday and he he just talked on and on about how great being in southern Wisconsin for the 4th of July was. So that was awesome to see. Ramsey? I would say with the Road America, I was incredibly impressed on how well the NASCAR drivers handled that. Road of America is one of the toughest racetracks to drive in the country. So the fact that those guys did and just went in there and put on a show was awesome. I, I, was, I was impressed. I thought there was going to be a lot more issues, and there really wasn't. So, really wasn't, so. congratulations. Issue, congratulations. Issues how, Rams? So Road America is an extremely fast road course. And just in general, that leads to mechanical failure, driver error, just go down the list of whatever you want. And we did have mechanical failure and driver error all weekend. But for the most part, those guys kept it on the road. They... It was just a good race. I was I was impressed. I didn't think it was going to translate as good as it did, and it way exceeded my expectations for the weekend. Cool. Yeah, Rims, is that what you rooted for as well? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. That's it? That's it. That's all, I got. all right. Well, I will double down just a little bit. I'm going to – or triple down, I should say. Uh, just talking about the state of Wisconsin as a whole, a uh, really incredible weekend, an incredible time to be in Wisconsin for sports. I mean, obviously the Bucks in the NBA Finals now. Uh, Road America, like I said, going off with very seldom hitches, you know, mm-hmm. just showcasing what Wisconsin sports are all about. And then obviously the Milwaukee Brewers uh, had their 11-game win streak come to an end, but still had opened up the biggest lead in any division in baseball and continue to win. I mean, they they won, they split the doubleheader today with the NL East leading Mets. So really, just a lot of great stuff going on in the state of Wisconsin for sports. So I'm, I'm glad you're listening to this show. If you're checking it out for the first time or if you're an experienced listener, thanks for listening. We got a lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of stuff to talk about in this episode. Uh, so with the positives, we go to the negatives. Tyler Hero, Noogie of the Week time. And Ramsey, you can start this one. I'm just going to say it's all the people that are giving me crap about hating on Chris Middleton. Oh, going after the listeners. I just yeah. thank them and you're dunking right back You guys them. all suck. <laughs> Chris, wow. Middleton, Chris Middleton's oh. garbage. Wow. So if you were if you're the Chris Middleton supporters that and there was I had probably five, six, probably about eight people message me over the last few days about, oh, why do you hate on Chris Middleton? Why is Chris, Chris Middleton's garbage? So Oh let's, uh, come on. I'm no. 
Yeah, the, the one uh, from, uh, I believe Jordan Fifield said it, that Chris Middleton got us through Atlanta. I would hope so. Like, I would hope that the Milwaukee Bucks, who are a three seed, could make it past Atlanta. I, I would, yeah, I would hope that could happen. The guy's still an overpaid clown. That's inconsistent. Probably going to be the reason why they lose this finals. Oh my goodness, that is such. I can't. I can't even think about what I. I don't. I'm not going to say what I want to say because that's just a terrible take, and we could go four hours on this take again. But I'm not going to do it because Eric said we got to keep it tight. That just. That's unbelievably bad. Wow. I, I did not expect Ramsey to go after the listeners. Not in the first 10 minutes of the show. I, I am truly surprised, but it is what it is. So Ramsey's doubling down. Ramsey, I'll, let me ask you this just before we move on. Yeah. What would it take for you to back off of that stance? Because we've already seen you kind of lessen your, your stance on Chris Middleton after the Brooklyn series. In all honesty, like... I do not hate Chris Middleton. My entire point this entire time is that he's overpaid and that the Milwaukee Bucks gave him a terrible contract. I was going through and looking at it um, over the last two days here, and the contract's bad enough that it's like him and there's about three other guys in the league that are getting paid similar, that put up similar numbers. And if I were to go tell you who those players were, you'd be like, that's kind of a shitty category to be put into. Let's hear it. Let's so hear it. the other players that I found that were in similar range was Tobias Harris and John Wall. And similar numbers and similar contract. And I would say both of those players are way overpaid for the contribution that you get out of them. And the other one would have been Malcolm Brogdon, who is $12 million a year cheaper. And him and Chris Milton have almost identical numbers. So we talk about a player that is inconsistent, I would say is nice, and then we're going to pay him, what, $177 million? That's just absurd for a team like Milwaukee. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the guy practically carried us to the NBA Finals. So I I don't understand the argument. I don't agree with the argument. The, the guy has been worth every penny in this postseason alone. Yeah, uh, but again, I would, you know, we haven't done this in 40 years. So? So, what do the, you mean? So, so, we're talking about a team that blew up Miami, which they should have. That, so that's I don't a think Giannis that, has been worth the money. I don't, I don't disagree I with think, that. I think, you need, I think you need to look at it. Giannis isn't worth the money, and Chris Middleton has been worth every penny. But the thing with Chris Middleton and Giannis is Chris Middleton is going to work well in short stints, but without Giannis being 100% healthy, Chris Middleton is going to fall apart a little bit. It's happened throughout Chris Middleton's career when Giannis isn't necessarily 100% healthy that Chris Middleton looks good for stretches, but it proves to be the difference between a number one player in the league and a number two player as Chris Middleton is, if not a number three. So, again, the playoffs this year, like, yes, I would hope you got past Miami. That's a series you should have won. The Brooklyn series, with the injuries that Brooklyn had, yes, I would hope you get past Brooklyn. And then getting past Atlanta, yeah, I would hope you get past Atlanta. At one point in the season, Atlanta was 11-14. and 14. They had a losing record, I believe, at the All-Star break. So let's just lay off the Chris Middleton's the next 
coming of he's an he's a good NBA player, and that's about the extent of what he is. Eric, I I don't know. I like I said, I've I I can see the contract side of things. Like I said, I've been very harsh on Chris Middleton's contract. I do think he's been probably the most valuable player on the Bucks this postseason to get them to the finals and put them in a position to win a championship. So I would say I would back down. I've backed down on my my uh, disdain for him quite a bit, but I can definitely see that at least the contract. This is probably the first time that I think we've actually really seen that contract come to fruition as the number one guy. And even last night, you know, towards the end of the game, uh, when we were watching uh, game one of the finals, I mean, at one point, Chris Middleton, I mean, they kind of all just disappeared. And we'll talk more about that game in depth, but in a little bit, like I said, I I was waiting for him to step up and waiting for him to step up. And then you didn't see it till really towards the end when it was almost too late. And they, I mean, they made a run at it. So I I guess I'm kind of on the fence on that one, but I do think he's a lot more valuable than the Rams is getting credit for. But also at the same time, I said, I definitely see the contract being less than great. But I got to go back to what I was saying though. Like I'd hope you'd be that valuable if that's what we're paying you. Like what you're, what we're paying him is star level, number one player in the league type money. And he's not that. He, he can be in stretches, and like I've said, even the Brooklyn series, he's the reason why in that Brooklyn series at the end, because Giannis obviously gets super one-dimensional, and you can't even really have it on the floor in crunch time, but Chris Middleton we're paying as a star, and Chris Middleton at best is a good two, if not a three, on a championship team. We'll see. I I think it, I think it's been worth every penny this year. He he's carried us there. Um, I, I you know, this is something that you're we haven't seen in our lifetimes, and that's even me, the old dog, that we haven't seen this in our lifetimes, to where we're playing for a championship in a seven game series. So, uh, whatever whatever they're paying them. It's fine by me that I don't really care. I think the argument's kind of foolish. He He's certainly a number two. He's Eric and I talked about this the other night. He might be a top 20 player in the league. So in my estimation, you said he's a number uh, two. Is that true? Is he a true number two? Look yeah, at some, I think he's at, a top 20 player in the league. Look at some of the I other. I think he's easily a top 20 player in the league. Easily. I will do a list. I will post it on Facebook before the game tomorrow on where Chris Middleton ranks. All right. Can't wait to see it. Justin, you're of the week. Um, yeah. Yeah. My noogie of the week is Mike Budenholzer. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just not understanding the pick and roll game um, and, and really getting it not figured out till, till too late in the game where it was kind of, too far past. Uh, so, so my noogie of the week, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, so, but I'll just take that message as we go. My noogie of the week is Mike Boonholzer. And it really has been the whole playoff series. So um, we'll talk about it in a few minutes as we cover the Bucks game. Yeah. I'm going to double, I'm going to keep with the theme here. I'm going to go with the NBA. And I know we've had a lot of criticism of the NBA in this postseason. 
And I know that they have got TV contracts and whatnot to get to. But the fact that the NBA Finals, both series for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, both went six. And the discrepancy that you had in the schedule where Phoenix had six days off and the Bucks had two days off coming into the finals, I don't see how that makes sense when both series won six. Like, I get how it all happened. I know that the East, the Western Conference Finals started first. But that's one thing that the NBA I've never really gotten that baseball actually does a really good job of is kind of allowing a time in between. And the NHL actually does kind of more towards the NBA where when you have these games that, I mean, the series, they start around the same time. So they end around the same time. Or, you know, even if it's a sweep versus like a seven-game series, you still don't have a huge discrepancy otherwise. See, I was actually going to say the complete opposite of that. Because the NBA moved the finals up. The finals were supposed to start on Thursday. And they moved it up to Tuesday because it was kind of an open day. Right. Like you had open, you had all of the media was going to talk about you for three days. Mm-hmm. So they moved the series up, which I think is good. Because honestly, even as a player, I would rather get playing right away again than sit around for a week. Right. I'm just saying to get to that point, though, where it was a four-day discrepancy when they both went six. Yeah, but the other games before that didn't. Right. But that's what I'm saying is like the fact that to get to that point. So shouldn't you uh, reward the teams that are actually winning their series, though? Like Phoenix, Phoenix won the first two series in five and four. Right. Milwaukee also won in four, though, too. So, yes, they go seven. To get to you know get through Brooklyn, and Phoenix went four. So you had a two game difference. Phoenix, Phoenix went four against Denver. Okay. So that's that's your difference though is the fact that those two extra days or two extra games that they went sooner against Denver, because you had to keep the playoffs rolling because especially the NBA playoffs drag forever. They should cut. I think they should cut probably a, a round off. So instead of going eight teams, it's probably six, but. Either that's, way. that's not here nor there. I mean, that's another day's topic for... Right. Yeah, like I said, I just... I, I, I have a hard time, and, and that was one of the biggest takeaways of last night's game was the Bucks look like a team who played two days ago and Phoenix look like a team that played six days ago. Well, we talked about in the group chat, and I don't necessarily think that's true. I've watched a lot of the Phoenix games because they fascinate me, and for what it's worth, I love their city jerseys, those valley black. With oh, the, yeah, those are sweet. Those might be the coolest jerseys. So I know, it's, but like watching it appeals to me when I watch Phoenix. And they, Phoenix is aggressive, and they've played fast the entire playoffs. Milwaukee's a little bit of an older, bigger, lumbering team, which we'll get into this again later, but I think that's going to come into a big play coming down the stretch. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit here. A couple things to go around the state of Wisconsin here. Uh, did you watch the match at all, the golf? I was going to. I got busy yesterday. Okay. And I didn't have the opportunity to. I kind of pay attention. Obviously, Tom Brady was in it, and everyone knows my love affection for Tom Brady. Right. So some big-ish, I think, things that people, um, some takeaways from that. for the, the Obviously, the reason we're talking about it, Aaron Rodgers being involved in it and actually ended up winning the the match with Bryson DeChambeau. So first of all, sank the putt on 18 to win it. Did you see Bryson DeChambeau's 480-yard drive? I did. Insane. 
in, in like, oh man, that's yeah. crazy. But I mean, so whoever Down said that hill. Still, 480, if you're driving 480, I don't care where or how you're playing, you're still I'm, hitting about 480. I mean, I could probably do that. I could probably do it downhill with the On wind. the PlayStation, on. maybe. Easy. Maybe on the Easy Wii. Easy peasy, boys. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't you assholes eat your Wheaties? Come on. Every, all, all about, I, dude, I am all about the long game, Justin. The longest I could probably ever imagine is probably 350. Like that's probably that's the max. By the wind at my back downhill is three fifty. He did four eighty. If you were hitting insane. off him, <laughs> that's crazy. It is crazy. Well, and then so. Anyways, couple, what's next? Some other takeaways. We're we're still talking about the match, Justin. Um. So some other takeaways okay. from that. Um. Aaron saying that he has never said that he was mad with his employer. Which is a very bold take, but he truthfully, technically, has never said it in the public eye. Um, he also did kind of double down on the fact that he's unsure of what this season's going to look like, this off season's going to look like. Uh, but he did kind of hint at Charles Barkley, the same way he did with James Jones about when his contract extension got done, that Charles Bar- Barkley could break it. So I don't know what that means per se. So my takeaway from the match, and like I said, I didn't watch it live. I did watch a lot of the highlights from it, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that Tom Brady was kind of putting out there. And it, the, what happened yesterday? Aaron Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay. He will be back for Week One. If the way that they were joking with Aaron and the way that they were, it was a very lighthearted event. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, on two or three occasions, kind of made reference to Aaron and the Packers and was making light of a situation. So if it was Aaron leaving and it was going to get ugly coming up, Tom Brady would be making those jokes, and especially how Aaron is. Aaron is very... He's very... I don't know how to say it. Like, Cerebral. Cerebral. Thank you. That's, that's gotcha, a perfect buddy. word. That he wouldn't allow, or he would make sure to go with Tom Brady before and say, hey, this is kind of, we should try to avoid this. This is kind of going to get ugly. It's going to be a divorce. It's going to be bad. We should really try to poke at it. Right. And that wasn't the case. So Aaron will be back week one. I think that's big for Packer fans, and that's a big takeaway from the match yesterday. Not, I would agree with that. Uh, the other thing, obviously, yeah. sunk the putt to win on 18. Nailed it. Who says he can't win the big and when the spotlight's on him? Who said? Just took down, Who said? Took down Papa Phil and Tom. Stallion. And the only other takeaway I had, and, and I saw this on Twitter. I can't even remember who tweeted it. I thought I had liked it, but apparently I didn't. Is um, I'm pretty sure, I, like the tweet was, I'm 65% confident that Aaron Rodgers actually just want to have a chill offseason and just vibe with his fiance in Hawaii. And then all this stuff happened from Schefter. And it's been kind of that media-driven frenzy. I kind of get that. I kind of get that. I don't blame him. I don't want to stop in Green Bay either. Screw Adam Schefter. He's the one that started this whole no, thing I'm, that was I'm, nonsense I'm, in the beginning. I'm agreeing with you. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. But any other takeaways Screw that you Adam had? Schefter. Did you have any takeaways from the match? Justin? Adam Schefter gets like. No, I thought it was, I mean, 
Was it entertaining TV? I would say no. Would I watch it again? I would say no. Um, I think the fact that Aaron Rodgers going through what he's going through with the Packers probably got it some ratings, but other than that, um, I thought I thought Phil was pretty entertaining. His insight on some of the putts as a golfer myself, some of the insights on, on the shots and, and what he was trying to tell Tom Brady to do with his shots were was pretty interesting. But other than that, it was something to watch until the Bucks came on. All right. So then I actually had the next topic here for you. Uh, Badgers land a massive recruit last week. Yeah, and uh, Joe Brunner, uh, a four-star offensive tackle, number seven in the country, uh, out of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. He passed up on offers from Notre Dame and Iowa. Uh, just huge. Uh, they've been on a huge, huge hot streak over the last couple weeks. Um, I think early in early July, probably three weeks ago, they were standing at at uh, one one verbally committed recruit from Franklin, Wisconsin, quarterback Miles Burkett, who is uh, who is rated as the number forty one uh, quarterback in the country. So not a real high recruit, but high enough that they're going to develop because they've done well at that position over the past couple of years. But from then to where they are now sitting at 11 verbal commitments that they've just hit it. Some, some big time recruits. Another one was Curtis Neal defense tackle out of, out of the Carolinas um, beat out, beat out some sec schools and ACC schools there to, to get them. And then they, then they signed a, or they got, got a verbal commitment out of Illinois in, in a safety, Austin Brown, who, uh, who had some other big time offers. Uh, so they've been on a real hot streak in, in this kind of putting, you know, none of the names outside the ones that I just mentioned are, are the, the big, the big fish that they're hunting for, but uh, they, they've put themselves in position that they've solidified the back end of their class with, with some developmental guys that, you know, a class really needs, unless you're like in Ohio state or in Alabama, that's, you know, they're going to sign 30 guys and then 10 of them actually make the roster. And then the other ones are in the transfer portal. Wisconsin doesn't really go that route. They sign the guys, they develop the guys, they keep the guys. Uh, so they've, they've established the back end of their, their recruiting class and they can really, they've got some more in-state big fish that they're hunting for. And then, uh, uh, they, they lost out on a, on a running back, which is kind of crazy to, to, uh, to a conference rival in, in Penn state, Nicholas Singleton, he, he decided to go there the day after July 4th. So th- they're still on the hunt for, for a, uh, running back, but they, they've got a lot of, uh, positions solidified up that they can, they could kind of big game fish right now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know and it's not a huge recruit, but still somebody. They also tr- landed in the transfer portal. I heard that uh, Joe Brunner's brother, out of linebacker, out of Northern Illinois. Yeah, yeah, he, he. You know, these are the types of things when when you're talking about he he can kind of be that. I don't know if you remember Andy Van Ginkle. Yep. He, he Fabio. Was, he was a guy that. Was that Fabio? Yeah, Fabio. He uh he, he was he was a transfer from from uh, South Dakota uh, 
which is FCS, which is way down. He wasn't even a rated player. Now, now Tommy Brunner, he was a rated player and a two star. Uh, he was, he was uh, offered a walk on at Wisconsin coming out of high school, but he accepted, he had a bunch of Mac scholarship offers. He accepted one to Northern Illinois playing for uh, the former Badgers running back coach and Thomas Hammock there. Um, so after, after his brother decided to commit, he decided to uh, flip transfer and, and, and go back to Wisconsin as a walk on, which is kind of big because he's, he's a guy that could develop, you know, you never know when, when a guy transfers up because it, it could be the people that he's playing around or, or the ability that he's, he's done himself in the weight room off of Northern Illinois weight program. It, you know, JJ Watt wasn't, much coming coming out of high school he was a central michigan commit he comes back and now he's he's probably one of the best defensive players to ever play in the nfl so uh you don't know what he could get he's gonna have to fight hard to get some playing time but it, it it's a it's a relatively solid move to uh to to strengthen the depth of the program all right well that that's awesome to hear Great stuff out of the lower part of the state with the the only D1 program in the state of Wisconsin. That's why we have Justin around. One of the few reasons. One of. One of them. <laughs> I kid. I kid. <laughs> so a little bit of uh, my expertise here. I'm going to talk about the Brewers for just another second on the show. Like I said, a 111 straight. Split a doubleheader with the Mets today. And over the week here also had three all-stars that they were uh, named. All three pitchers. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Josh Hader all named to the All-Star team. I believe it's Woodruff and Hader. Woodruff's second appearance. I think it'll be Hader's second or third now. And now Corbin Burns is first, which the big story with Corbin Burns. Uh, you look at where he had been in two seasons ago, where he only made four starts in 2019, had to get sent down to the minors, was in the pitching lab, um, actually got, had gotten deactivated for a while. And then to come back last year, be a Cy Young candidate. This year, kind of in that same conversation, really retooled his whole arsenal. Uh, big stuff for him. Awesome to hear for him. And then, like I said, just being in first place at, after today's win, I believe they're five and a half up pending the Reds game. So just a nice, you know, hopefully keep that momentum going. They'll have a big series against the second place Reds this weekend after they finish up in New York. So good stuff for the Brewers, right? Heading into the All-Star game. Another Brewers programming note here. Uh, not next week, but the following week, likely going to have Matt Pauley uh, from WTMJ, who had joined us earlier before the season started, to kind of give us a trade deadline slash post-All-Star break uh, hype up for the Brewers as they kind of make that stretch run for the season. So talked yeah, with him I'm today. Excited for that. That's big news for us. Talked with him today. He's more than happy to come back on. Can't wait to have him back on, talk some Brewers baseball with somebody who actually cares about the Brewers right now. I want yeah. to go to Timberlake game, but you never picked what one we want to go to. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. That might give me interest in the Brewers. It might. might. We'll see. Probably not. Probably not. But we'll see. they had ten cent hot dogs tomorrow. You see today. that today? Today. Oh, is that today? Yeah, we're I sitting see. here recording. We could have had ten cent hot dogs. Ten cent hot dogs. You would have been like. Beer. You would have been like. Ramsey would have been like Joey Chestnut at that. Oh, I would have been s- <laughs> Ten Are you kidding? Okay, quick, quick, quick question: dogs. Are you? What do you think of the hot? Do you watch the hot dog eating contest? 
I don't. It kind no. of grosses me out. Not gonna lie. That is that is the grossest thing yeah, I've ever just, seen in my life. Just to watch homeboys just How chow can you hot eat dogs. Seventy six hot dogs in, in ten, 10 minutes. minutes. I'm just gonna go on a limb and say I don't know if I've had seventy six hot dogs in my life. <laughs> that's forty two oh pounds God. of hot dog, by the way. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying. Earn, like, oh my earn more God. than that. It, it works out to about forty two pool balls sitting in your stomach right there. Because I can be, I can honestly say, like, I probably have a hot dog a year. As an adult, like, since, you know, obviously maybe as a kid, child, some hot dogs probably, but, like, after, like, the age of 12, I could probably say I've had probably about one a year. I what could, about brats? That's, that's not a hot Different dog. conversation. So, oh, just I a couple of... I chow some brats. Don't get me wrong. Just a yeah. couple of things from that. So, first of all, I, I did watch. I watch it. My dad and I watch it every year just because it's so messed oh, up. Just, it's so gross, but it's also, like... The the fact that people pay money to go watch this is just unbelievably baffling to me. I would pay money to see it. If I was in town, they do that out in L.A., right? New York. New, if I was in New York City, 4th of July, not, you know, obviously it's New York, so there's something else going on, but... If nothing else going on. If I, you know... How, get much, how much did he win? I don't even know. He got the beautiful mustard belt, though, Justin. It's all, and, it's all about the belt. he's doing Justin. it for America. Yeah. Remember when he took no. over? It was that Kobayashi oh, guy out of out of Japan. I gotta yeah. look this up. Just chowing hot dogs. But so he, in the years that he's been doing this, I think it's been like 15, 16 years that he's been doing this. He's eaten enough hot dogs and buns, like if they put them on end, to be taller than the Statue of Liberty. It's <sighs> <is> so gross. <laughs> <laughs> now Fourth of July. So before. Before we headed out for our daily festivities, my dad, my mom, and Shauna and I watched it. My mom and Shauna had looks of horror on their face. And my dad and I sat there just laughing the entire and time. Pop of fish just... It was it like I said, just a, a tradition because like they the spectacle of it, like they have I mean like I said, you have all these people there. You have like the entrances, it's it's almost like Bruce Buffer himself. Like they have like a, a Walmart version of Bruce Buffer doing the introductions for this. It's riveting the greatest athlete. The greatest oh athlete God. of our, our lifetime. How do you qualify for that? I don't even know. I think you have to be like, you have to do like other competitions and be a ranked eater. So does Mr. Chestnut, does he uh, just automatically qualify because he's won 15 in a row? Uh, he hasn't won it's in like, a row. It's but. like the Masters, you get a lifetime exemption. <laughs> but like, he's looking He won $10,000 for 10 minutes. $10, for 10 minutes. It doesn't. He's got. It does not matter the money. It's all about the mustard belt. That mustard in, belt. In tw- so listen to this. In 2014, as a competitive eater, he made over $230,000. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> this guy's a freaking he, genius. He, He's a construction he engineer. He made a net worth of $1.5 million as a competitive eater. This dude is a, was a construction engineer. And he said, <laughs> nah, God. I'm going to step away from being an engineer. I'm going to engineer hot, hot dogs down my throat. <laughs> so, not to get off subject. Like, so no, is, I, I'm is that, all for this. Is that something that you practice? You have to. Like, do, yes. do you practice like daily? Like, you know, like if you run yeah. a marathon, you, does he wake up and just like, I'm going to do 12 hot dogs today? 12 hot dogs in he six minutes. He has so much. Look at, so these are all the world records he holds, by the way. In 2006, this started. He ate 47 grilled cheese sandwiches in 10 minutes. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you ever have like one and you're like, just, it's so dry. Your mouth is just dried out and you can't. Also, 20, 2006, 118 jalapeno poppers in 10 minutes. 118 jalapeno poppers? Yeah. 
And then oh my he, God. he had nine pounds, six ounces of pulled pork in 10 minutes in Iowa in 2006. Nine pounds? Yeah. So 2006 was a big year for Mr. Chestnut. Well, so we keep going. There's, there's more. Shoot, or in 2007, he had 182 chicken wings in 30 minutes. 103 <laughs> crystal hamburgers in eight minutes. Um, 45 pulled pork sandwiches. 45? Yeah. At the World oh Barbecue Eating Championship. 2009, he had 5.9 pounds of funnel cake in 10 minutes. At the fun, World Funnel Cake Championship. We need to move on. This is grossing me out. Like <laughs> you know when you have, like, you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and you're like, I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after the big, you know, what was it, 25 now or 30? 30, 30. 30. I'm going to eat 30 wings. And then when you're done eating 30 wings and you just feel gross, imagine doing 108. Like, here's, here's one I word think, for you. I think the greatest thing is that this guy is not obese. Like, if you look at him, well, he's, he's not. Well, he's like, it's a supermodel thing. In 2011, he had 53 soft tacos from Taco Bell in 10 minutes. See, now that doesn't seem so obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, ever, 10 minutes. Yes. Ever tried to eat a taco 12 pack by yourself? Can't yeah. It can't be done. <laughs> it can't, I, don't, I, I don't think it can be done. In 2000, I, I know we're going to move on from in this in a second. 10 minutes? 2013, 121 Twinkies in six minutes. What? <laughs> what? I'm amazed by this. This is, this is awesome. How much did the women? How much did the woman eat? Uh, I think the because world record for women was, is like forty-five. That was like wide like open, wasn't it? Yeah, because the 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 current champion was not competing because she's pregnant, she's pregnant. with the third yeah. best hot dog eater's kid. Wait, what? Yeah, the, the women's sites. So they do a women's competition now. Right, okay. She is p- the usual champion, is pregnant with the, th- the guy who is the third best hot dog eater in the world. His kid. So that kid's going to come out just chowing titty milk. <laughs> <laughs> he is just going to be fucking chowing away. <laughs> That's gotta be edited. Nope, oh, I'm man. keeping that. That's gotta stay. That is. Oh, that might be the funniest God. thing we say this episode. <laughs> Just come on, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was gonna be a little more formal with it. But I was thinking the exact same thing. Just, <laughs> Just beer bong and boob milk. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna be straight hot dog grease. Not even boom milk. It's just gonna be just hot dog grease. <laughs> like you know the, the grease trap when you after you're Jesus. done with the concession oh, stands right. in the game. Oh right now. And you get that nice grease underneath <laughs> the thing that you gotta dump the tray. That's what's coming out. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. So we talked about that. We talked about the Badgers, and as we said earlier. Uh, cannot talk enough about how much uh, the Sheboygan area, Kohler, Plymouth, the whole area came up for Road America, Elkhart Lake. Well, the entire Nassau community in the state, man, just showed out and nothing but awesome reviews by everybody that was involved in this. You know who was down there? Mason. Was, was he? Mason was down there. He's a big Chase Elliott guy. We've talked to him about NASCAR before. I was, I was going to go. I just, 
I need to go to a different event there to scope it out before I... Right. But yeah, so awesome, awesome, proud of Wisconsin for that. And then with that, we are going to transition into the Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee obviously down 1-0 early in the NBA Finals. They'll play game two tonight at time of release. Game two tonight. Game three will be Sunday, and then we're going next week. Game three comes back, obviously, to Milwaukee Sunday. Um, if For those of you who are looking to go to that, ticket price is pretty high. Uh, ticket prices for the Bucks, I can't even find on here right now. Uh, Suns Bucks on Sunday. The lowest ticket available, standing room only on the Game Time app. For standing room only, f- almost $500. It's not too bad. It's not terrible. That's not bad. I don't know if I don't I, think I, I'm not paying five hundred dollars to go see the Bucks lose, but ooh, ooh, ooh. getting fired up. Mm-hmm. Actually, for, in all reality, I I'm gonna say the Bucks probably win Game Three. So we'll start with uh, a couple things here. Uh, first, we got to recap. Bucks were able to get it done without Giannis <laughs> in six against Atlanta. The this is their first finals appearance since 1974 has been often talked about. Uh, one of the cooler kind of things that you see kind of running around the internet right now, 2013-2014, the Bucks' first years of the Giannis and Chris Middleton experience. The Bucks were 15 and 67 and about to be relocating. Yeah. And then if you even look at the Suns, even what three years ago they were in the NBA draft lottery. If not. Less than that. I, it might have been two years. DeAndre right. Aiden's been in the league, what? This is his... DeAndre, this is his third year. Yeah. Third year? Second year. So, yeah, I mean... No, this is his second year, I think. I, I, I was going to say second, but I might be wrong. I don't have it in front of me. But either, either way, I mean, you look at just the transformations of those two franchises, and, and you can kind of talk about the different logistics of... Of okay, maybe you know we've had this conversation on here before. We don't really need to scratch it out again, but it's it's not the superstar teams. It's it's but it's still fresh blood. The uh, the Suns haven't been in the finals since what ninety three with Charles Barkley ninety four and lost to and lost Michael to the Bulls. And then you have obviously the Brewer or the Bucks, excuse me, who haven't been there since nineteen seventy four. And as I had mentioned, you know, you talk about the loyalty and and the, just the emergence of Middleton and Giannis uh, from 2013, 2014, so seven years ago, to the point where we're at right now on the doorstep of potentially winning the NBA Finals. Uh, one other kind of interesting, not really relevant um, kind of talking point I thought was kind of cool. At each point in the NBA playoffs this season, P.J. Tucker has beaten a Houston Rockets teammate that he had. Uh, it was James Harden in Brooklyn. It was Clint Capella in in Atlanta. I cannot remember who it was against Miami. Uh, who would that have been? It? Trevor Ariza? Yeah. Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza. So each at each uh, different level here, the Bucks have beaten a former teammate of PJ Tucker's. So, like I said, talk about some of those talking points. You know, the Bucks get past the Hawks to go to the finals. I know Justin and I watched that end of that game together. Um, 
you know, one thing I, I noticed, Milwaukee very efficient without Giannis in game six. And, and you know, as you mentioned, Ramsey, they, as they should be. Well, Milwaukee without Giannis is good in stretches. And even I was going to say last night if Giannis wouldn't have played, I don't know if that game would have been different, but I think it would have been closer. I, yeah, without Giannis for stretches, Milwaukee is a very good team. You need Giannis for the finals, though. Yeah, I, I think so, if too. You, if you play him in the right spot, I, I totally agree. If you play him in the right spot, but... And that and against that team, they have to play him as a a a small ball. They have to play Phoenix small ball. They have to they have to take away the middle jumpers. They have to defend the pick and roll. And and when you have Brooke Lopez out there, he he is such a liability defensively. You, you honestly can't play him. You you can't. He he gives up way more than he produces. Yeah, you know, it, I, I had pulled some of the stats aside from last night's game, or from, um, yeah, last night's game. And there's a couple, I mean, the most telling stats in the game. So really, I mean, very even. I mean, it was a 13-point loss for the Bucks, But it was a very even game. Both teams, I Phoenix shot one shot better. They were 41 of 88 from the field. Milwaukee, 40 of 88. Uh, the Phoenix Bucks were actually better from behind the, the three-point arc, 16 of 36 versus the 11 of 34 from Phoenix. The big difference, though, Bucks were nine of 16 from the free throw line, and Phoenix was 25 of 26. Yeah, well, that's that's been a very a very uh, hot topic today about how how far away. That the that Phoenix was really really uh, shooting the ball on how they got so many foul shots compared to the Bucks really trying to spend most of their time inside the paint and and really shooting ten less foul shots than than uh, Phoenix. Now go back on it. You got to give Phoenix all the credit. They were what? What did you say? Twenty five of twenty six. Twenty five of twenty six. They missed their twenty fifth of twenty six. They had gone yeah. twenty four straight, I think, and then. Or maybe they, they had, had the 25. record and missed it. Right. One thing I would say but, about that is Milwaukee, Phoenix was definitely more aggressive last night. And you go to the line being aggressive. And that's not really been even Milwaukee's MO this entire postseason. It has and it hasn't. They've been aggressive in stretches. But every game that I've watched Phoenix play – this is kind of what they are. They're very aggressive moving towards the basket, and that's how you get foul calls. So is there a discrepancy? Yeah, and they are at home. You'll probably see that same discrepancy in game three and four. Milwaukee's probably going to have more free throws. It's just how refs work in the NBA. You know, when you're in a gym and everyone's screaming at you, that needs to be a foul. It tends to bounce your way. But for the most part, Phoenix was just outworking Milwaukee last night. Phoenix outplayed them. Phoenix outworked them last night. And, and not necessarily the entire game, but definitely in large stretches, Phoenix was just more aggressive, more athletic, more up and down the court. And I think that goes back to Justin's point. When you play a team like that, you can't necessarily have Brooke Lopez out there just kind of walking up the court, walking back. Right. You, just, you, you have to 
Because really, even moving Yas probably to five for game two, when I don't think that'd be a bad idea. If I was coach, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Slide Brook Lopez out, put Yas down there, and well, because you know what's going to happen is that they're gonna. They're gonna <laughs> what Brook Lopez needs to do is they need to use Brook Lopez like the Golden State Warriors use Bogut. He'll start the game. He'll start the third for you. Yep. But aside from that, I mean, you really the matchup just doesn't dictate that way right now. There's a lot of speed there, and they're first of all they're also well rested. Um, as I think I, you know, I made out earlier in the show, but they're well rested. They play a more aggressive style of basketball, like you were saying, Ramsey. I mean, there was one really key point where I can't remember who collapsed on a switch, but then even for the rebound, I think DeAndre Ayton came down and just slammed one over like Drew Holiday, who just let the ball kind of hit the floor. Mm-hmm. And that was so frequent. Like I, it was a very much a Milwaukee game one where they struggle in game one historically, especially in the Boonholes area, very era, Boonholes era, I should say. Very much a feel out game, see what happens. But that only gets you so far. You can't go down all one every series you play in. I mean, granted, they didn't. You know, they won against Miami, but well, that doesn't win you a championship. I don't. I don't know if that's true. I mean, if you come out and you steal game two, you. You have stolen home court from them. Now that that you got to flip that, and then you got to keep home court by winning the next two at home. But I mean, you go you go into a series and you and you start off the series, and you tell yourself if you could steal one of the first two games uh, on your opponent's court, you're in a good spot. So I don't know if I agree with that notion. I do agree with the notion that Brooke Lopez is really just. He's kind of a hindrance out there uh, defensively. He's just, and and I don't I don't think we've talked so much about the the rebounding aspect of him. It, it if you've ever watched him, it's not boxing out or dominating the ball at the highest point. He's trying to tip it, and he's not even you know pushing Aiden or whoever it was on on in the last couple series uh, Capella. Or uh, or whoever was it for for uh, the Nets, the, he's tipping the ball and depending on his guards to 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 become the second rebounder. See, he has not. I mean, Aiton had what twenty rebounds last night. He had a twenty twenty game. It was unbelievably horrendous by Lopez. So yeah, here's well, here's, he's, here's he's got to do his job there, Justin. Uh, DeAndre Ayton had 22 points, 19 boards, no assist, and Brooke Lopez had 17 points, six rebounds. How does your center get you six rebounds when he plays? Right. He only played 23 minutes, but still. So Brooke Lopez's plus minus last night was minus 17. Right. So, he, so like you said right at the beginning of the show, Justin, I'm sure you didn't even know that stat, but you said he's not, I did. he's not giving you anything. So he had 17 points last night, but was a minus 17. So and especially when you're talking about you're playing with 85% of of Giannis, who who's probably last night Giannis might have been in the plus or in, in the Giannis, minus himself. Giannis I think Giannis was one. the only one of the only players that was from Milwaukee that was positive. It was Giannis Pat Connington and Jeff Teague. Yeah. Chris Middleton was minus eleven. So back to my whole point of overrated. Well he's gotta play he's gotta he's gotta play better, but he's 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 played so good down the stretch now, so I, I 
him, I'll give a break. But Lopez has not. He he has continuously done this, and it's not even this year's playoffs. It, it's past years playoffs. Now he had the one big game where he scored thirty three points. I don't even remember what his plus minus in that game was. Obviously, it was probably pretty high. But in a in a game like this, where you're playing somebody so athletic, probably twice as athletic as Clint Capella is, and and probably a far better. Uh, shooter than Clint Capella is the the way that he's played the last two series are just not going to cut it. And I don't know that we could continue playing him on the court. If we're going to win this series and win the championship. No. And I actually, I would actually really echo that sentiment is, is one of the biggest talking points of why this series could go to Phoenix, regardless of Giannis's health was that, Atlanta killed Milwaukee on pick and roll. Brooklyn killed Milwaukee on pick and roll. And that was with, you know, somebody far less athletic than DeAndre Ayton. Well, and I think we're kind of forgetting, too, that Chris Paul is probably one of the best ever to do the pick and roll. And now you give him oh, a yeah. super athletic bid in DeAndre Ayton that is it's just almost unfair at times. I mean... There's there's really three main talking points about this series, and I guess no, not about the series, about the Bucks and the the big the big three, right? So is Brook Lopez actually be able to do anything of value? Is Giannis going to be healthy, and can Milwaukee make their free throws? And last night, Brook Lopez couldn't. Milwaukee didn't make their free throws, and Giannis, for what it's worth. I don't even know. You, Justin, you said 80%. I don't know if he's 80%. There were some yeah. of those points that he kind of got well, there towards the end where Phoenix kind of let up a little bit. So I think I, and I give a lot of credit to Giannis because he went out there and he, they were talking about last night in the pregame about how he was getting basically around-the-clock treatment. Like he was yeah. waking up. Uh, Woj had yeah. that on Twitter yep. yesterday too. Um, I, you know, the other... Just one real quick thing. I, I totally agree with that. Another thing that we're not talking about is, is if we only shoot 16 free throws in a game and Giannis is the one that's shooting 12 of those, you're never going to win a game, never going to win a game that way. Uh, he obviously is just a terrible free throw shooter. He's in his mind. He doesn't. So that has to change. Um, and, and clearly Bud needs to, to figure it out on whether he's switching or he's fighting over the top of a pick or he's just going to let, let the uh, Booker and, and, and uh, Paul shoot threes play underneath the pick. But clearly he clearly cannot uh, allow uh, Lopez to switch in, in, on and guard either one of those two. He clearly cannot let that happen. Chris Paul's eating him up in the, in the, at the elbow area it has to change. You have to sit Lopez. And I would even go as far as say you could probably get away with, with starting Porter Portis there and still allowing uh, Giannis to put, to play that four position. But to me, I, I would just put Giannis at the five play small ball and, and bring in either Forbes or, or Connington right away and, and, uh, and hope for the best because you, you're not you're not going to win the series if you continue to allow Paul to eat you up at the elbow. Well, and here's the other thing I, I took away from last night's game is 
Milwaukee played, not only did they play like they, I mean, that they were still kind of gassed from the last two series, but they also kind of played very raw and didn't play for the moment. I don't think I, Drew Holiday, I've been a big advocate of Drew Holiday on the show. Drew Holiday very much underwhelmed me. He had a lot, I think he had three or four, more than that, probably probably four or five turnovers. Um, four for 14. Four for 14 shooting, 0 for 4 from three, only 10 points. Granted, he had nine assists. Played 40 minutes, but just I walked away very underwhelmed from last night's game of, of what Drew Holiday brought to that table. And I think that's the first time really all playoff, really all season, I've been kind of sitting, walking away from a game. It's like, what the hell was that? I mean, he had what, what was a game three or game four against Brooklyn where he was getting compared to Eric Bledsoe. But I mean, still to walk away from that game, to be in that moment. You gotta have a better showing than that in in an NBA Finals game, if you're gonna be the true one guard of a team. Well, and the thing is, Phoenix last night just came out more urgent. Like they, every single possession. That's not necessarily just been last night. That's been this entire postseason. But Phoenix comes out and they play very urgently. Milwaukee, there were stretches last night that Milwaukee was not urgent. And I, I do think that's going to change, but I think that, you know, Coach Budenholzer, there's, <laughs> you're going to have to make some adjustments that he hasn't made all postseason. Like, he's not made adjustments at all. And you, you saw flashes of it, but it was too late last night. And, and the other thing that's kind of telling, I mean, you look at the minutes played by the Milwaukee starters. P.J. Tucker, against a very athletic Phoenix Suns team, I don't know if he should be playing 33 minutes a game. Well, Chris Middleton had about 40. Chris Middleton played 45. Drew played 40. Uh, Giannis played 35. Brooke Lopez played 23. The bench minutes were Portis playing 14. Teague played 10. Pat Conton played 28 minutes last night. He was still positive. I mean, his plus minus. He was, And then Bryn Forbes only playing 12 minutes last night. And I think, I think one more thing that we're not talking about, and it's something that we've talked about in the past, is is – Giannis played for for what his health is. Giannis played too much on the point with the ball in his hands, uh, bringing the ball up the floor. They are just they are not a special team when he does that. Now I, think, I know Giannis's I think, I Giannis's just, best attribute was is is trying to go downhill with the ball in his hand and attack. But they are just not, they're not a special team when when the ball is in his hands, bringing the ball down the court. Well, I was gonna say uh, I think that just, has to be a Drew Holiday's hands. I think you could stop at saying that Giannis had the ball too much in his hands coming up the floor. You don't even have to consider his health in this situation. Well, we've been saying that all playoffs. We have, so. and that's that's. I think yeah. I don't know if that's a if that's a coaching thing that, or if you need to say, hey, Giannis, you know, you're better off ball right now, especially with your health. Slash, when you need to play within the offense, play within the system. I mean, Jay Crowder, as an, as much of an irritant as he can be. He he had one point last night. He was 0 for 8 from the field. He had nine rebounds. He was incredible defensively last mm-hmm. night. But that's what those old veterans do, though, especially in the playoffs. Like the, even Chris Paul has been. Chris Paul had 32 points last I night, know, by the Chris way. Like, Paul. you can't. Like, if Devin Booker's going to shoot 8 of 21 and only have 27 points, I think you can live with that. Yeah. Chris Paul cannot have 32 points if you want to win a series. Chris Paul is the best player on the floor right now. And I don't think I would have, I would agree with that, but I don't know if I would have said I would have predicted that. I would say that Devin Booker's the best athlete on the floor. No, Chris Paul's been the best player in this entire postseason. 
Devin Booker gets the numbers, but the offense runs through Chris oh, Paul. Oh, without a doubt. But that's kind yeah. of the that's kind of the reason that we're also one of the points that we were talking about the Bucks is that one thing the Bucks are trying to figure out is true identities. Like when you watch Phoenix play, you have Devin Booker who's your scorer, Chris Paul who's your point guard, and DeAndre Ayton who is your, your 20 and 20 tr- guy. true center, right? You're, 50, you're 20 and 15, 20 and 20, whatever. And a lot of people in the NBA, especially nowadays, are trying to go to positionless basketball. And that works for stretches, and that even works for the Bucks for stretches. But at some point, you need an identity on your team. And that's what Phoenix had last night, right. is that they have a true identity. Everyone knows their role, they know what they're doing, and they're playing hyper-aggressive. And then... I don't know. I think that the Bucks. I, I totally, I totally agree. I, I, I'm trying to think of a guy in the NBA right now that is strictly just a back to the basket type of big man, and I don't know that. I don't know that either one of us could really name one. Joel Embiid a little bit. Dwight Howard maybe still, but even he's kind of stretched out his game a little bit more in the last couple of years. Well, I wouldn't say. I mean, Joel Embiid can really stroke it from downtown. I mean. I'm talking like a more older era type of type of uh, basketball player where you had like a shack where you knew if you dumped it down to him and he's on the block, you are not stopping him. I don't know that the NBA has that type of person. But that's because I would also say, though, that there's only probably one or two true point guards left in the NBA. And Chris, I Paul, would agree with that, too. And that if you have a back to the basket center you need to have a true point card to distribute balls to him so that's another again that phoenix has a true identity with that they play with and they're, they're a fascinating team to watch like i said i've watched a lot of phoenix basketball this year and a lot more than i ever have paid attention to them in the past and they fascinate me to watch them play well chris paul's just so special to watch um in the pick and roll i mean just the knowledge of the game just to to set up that elbow jumper and and that's so old school to <clears throat> yeah to where yeah. players nowadays it's like it's either we're at the rim or we're shooting threes. Chris Paul is I, I'm I'm safe at at fifteen sixteen feet and the two points there is just as good at, at the at fifteen sixteen feet as it is at the rim. So it's just so special to watch him get his. His shoulders set even on an awkward mm-hmm. jump, uh, and 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 kind of fly through the air and and get straight with the rim and, and just beautiful touch off the front of the rim and it just rolls in every time. So he is a special, special player in the pick and roll. You're absolutely right on that. And any young player that's listening right now, this is something important that I'm going to tell you that the modern day basketball has this. Um, kind of mystique about it where you either have to be going to the rim or shooting a three. Mm-hmm. And if you've paid attention at all in this postseason, the mid-range game has been the most important part of basketball in this playoffs. Yeah, you even need, Chris Middleton's hit that a little Chris bit. Middleton, Kevin Durant, even Kawhi Leonard when he was healthy, Chris Paul. Yeah. The guys Devin who, Booker even Devin made Booker, work. Yep. The guys who are scoring big and playing big minutes in this playoffs in the NBA, and this happens every year too. It's just, I'm just pointing out right now that if you are a young player listening, you still need to make sure that you have some sort of a mid-range game because you're not, analytically speaking, it's not a smart play. 
But if that's the open shot, it's almost better than a contested three or even a contested layup going to the rim. Well, and you know, you you talked to Justin about this, and I'm I'm I've seen it on two different stints of where I've been a youth basketball coach. Kids these days, they want to go shoot the three. Fourth, fifth graders, second graders, they want to go shoot the three because that's what they see on TV. They don't see and they don't get that glorified mid-range game enough, but you can't go shoot threes if you can't, first of all, if you can't make a layup. You can't go shoot threes if you can't make a mid-range jump shot. You've got to have that down. And, you know, the, the finals, I mean, you see it a lot. You see defenses tight up, tighten up a lot in the, in the playoffs as a whole. You really see it tighten up in the finals, too, where, yes, you still get a lot of flashy plays and stuff, too, like you get your NBA basketball. But the playoffs, the teams who win the NBA finals each year are the teams who are arguably probably some of the most fundamentally sound every year, too. Yep. And that's mid-range jump shots. That's making your free throws. That's making that extra pass that, you know, they don't always, you know, it's, it's not glorified. The, you know, the only time you ever see it really become a thing is an NBA 2K where you get that pass to assist bonus. That extra pass that becomes the assist with that pass that you just made mm-hmm. is not glorified enough. It's just, it's finding, it's playing right. smart basketball. <laughs> and I, you're seeing it with the Suns a lot. Yeah, the Suns are a very much throwback to early 2000s team. But with the height, athleticism, speed of today's game. Yep, and that's why, like I said, I've watched a lot of Phoenix Suns basketball this postseason, and they are a fascinating team to watch. I've, I've watched more Suns games than Bucks games this postseason. They are, I, I'm fascinated by Phoenix. So with that, I mean, we're looking at game two. Game two comes tonight. Thursday night release day, back in Phoenix, game at 8 o'clock. So between now and 8 o'clock for tip time, what adjustments? So, you know, we're root for Wisconsin, so, so we got to talk Milwaukee Bucks here. What adjustments, if you're Coach Budenholzer, what's your number one thing that you're thinking right now that you need to have come game two to, to win that game, just that game individually? Well, you need to have a must win, must win mindset for that game in Phoenix tonight. It's uh, it's not a must-win, but I, you do not want to go down 0-2 to Phoenix. They're athletic enough, and if you give them an extra game that they can afford to lose and come back to Phoenix, I, you don't want to do that. You, It's not it's not a must-win, but you need to have a must-win mentality. Well, to win, to just how the NBA Finals are set up, I mean, and the NBA playoffs as a whole, you have to win at least one in Phoenix. That's just the way it has to be. You're probably going to need two. Right. I agree with that. Justin? Well, I think we've, I think we've touched on it completely, this, this whole segment, in, in that <clears throat> you, you have to figure out what you're going to do. If you're, if you're going to play with Lopez on the floor, then you cannot switch. You need to fight over the top of that, and you need to bump. You need to bump uh, 25 feet away. You, you need to make those guards uncomfortable, and you need to be willing to play defense with those guards at the hoop, or you need to force them to shoot long threes. You just have to be willing to play that way and hope it works out best. But if it were me, I'm sitting low. Uh, Lopez is not sitting, or he's not playing for long stretches of the game. Uh, I'll give one more try to to the switch off uh, with, with Giannis as a five. I think that's still a 
a great possibility um, that he's athletic enough to defend that elbow shot. Uh, or if those little guards get past him, that he's athletic enough to, to kind of block the shot from behind at the rim. So that, that right now is my biggest uh, worry and, and biggest thing that we need to do to win game two. Uh, and I think as the series goes deeper, we need to play like we have and play through Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday with the ball in their hand to start the offense. We cannot let Giannis dictate how we play on offense. We need to let him do the athletic things that that he's uh, that he has been doing to to get by. Uh, it's clear that they're better when when those two are running the offense, and and Giannis is kind of uh, sitting in the weeds, laying in the weeds, and, and winning that way. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just kind of go on with that. Um... The only other thing I can think of, I mean, I think we both touched on, I think, I think Ramsey's point, though, of you need to play with some sense of urgency. And, you know, you take the two days here, you take, you know, the day off for Wednesday, you take that game coming into uh, Thursday, coming into the game. You need to play faster than you did. Not out of control, not reckless, but you just need to kind of be, like I said, that more fundamental team. You know, you can't have times where Drew Holiday is looking up at a rebound and then DeAndre Ayton comes slams it down. You can't have, you know, I think the Bucks ended up game three, or game one, excuse me. Uh, the Bucks had 14 turnovers compared to nine for Phoenix. And Phoenix, I mean, granted, they also did have more points off turnovers and just about the same for fast break points, but you can't lose a turnover battle. You have to be smarter. You have to be just... Be the veteran team that outside of Chris Paul that in Jay Crowder that you kind of had the advantage of. I mean, so many of these guys who play for Phoenix, they don't even have playoff experience before this year, let alone finals experience. And granted, I don't think anybody on the Bucks does either, but you have a deep team that's played in the playoffs, that's played in the spotlight before. So you've got to channel that if you want to win game two and if you want to win this series. Well, and... And I think you guys will both agree with me when I say this. I, as if you're Milwaukee, you have to be physical. And not that they weren't physical yesterday, but you need to be physical with a young team. You need to get in their face. You need to be kind of that bigger bully that they are. And I know it's hard when the team I say on Run Like Phoenix does. But you have to slow them down. You have to beat them up a little bit and be in their face. And that's going to help you out a lot. Right. I totally, I totally agree. I think, I think one of the biggest things that we haven't talked about is how, how kind of soft uh, a 36-year-old Chris Paul is. Uh, he, he's been injured a ton, uh, especially over the last couple years of his career and in these playoffs. So... I think you need to bump him off of that pick and roll. You need to yep. bump him 25, 30 feet away from the hoop and, and, and kind of get in his head and, and make him feel it. And, make, and, and that's not only for game two, but that's for three, four, and hopefully five once we get down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. So with that said, what is your, do you have a prediction for game two and then for the series itself? Uh, Justin, you can go first on that too. Well, I think a game two, I, I think it's totally going to flip in, in reality to 
to the the foul game and the turnover game. I think they're going to be a little more secure. Uh, I think Bud and is is going to kind of realize it. I do not think that they are going to sit uh, Lopez as much as we're all hoping that. Uh, but I do think that there's going to be an adjustment on that. Um, one of the things that we haven't really talked about were were the matchups that we saw. We saw um, Drew Holiday on Devin Booker, which was was interesting to say the least. And then switching that in and out of the game, uh, wherever the subs uh, fell. I'd like to see Bobby Portis in for, for Lopez a hell of a lot more than we did. Um, but I, I think the Bucks are actually going to win game two. Um, I, I think they learned a lot of things. Uh, and to be fair, the, the one thing that you love to see is, Sure, they got down by by twenty at one point, but they fought back to get that game down to nine and a realistic shot at making a run at the game uh, with five six minutes left in the game. So I think that's encouraging as as encouraging as that can be, if you guys understand what I'm saying. So I think I think they win game two. I don't. I I'm not confident that they're going to win the series, but. But I, I think they'll win game two. Do you have a prediction for the series, Justin? I, I think it's going to be the Suns in seven. Okay, Ramsey? I think Phoenix, I think it's a very similar game to Tuesday night. I think Phoenix gets up by a little bit and then just kind of holds on to the lead. Milwaukee is a team that has to win a certain way. Milwaukee's kind of like the Baltimore Ravens where they like to play downhill. They like to get a lead and then make you chase them. Mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's going to happen tonight. I think it goes back to Milwaukee. Milwaukee is going to get game three and or four. Um, overall, though, I think it's going to be Suns and six. All right. And, that, I, you know, I don't really even – I'm going I'm to take the homer route just because one of us has to. I do think – I think. Why do one of us have to? We don't have to. I mean, we're – I mean, come on. You got to be a little – a little perturbed at how that game ended up. I mean, that's not the homer route. They're 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 a good basketball team. They can win it. No, that's right. not so homer route. Game two. I think I think Milwaukee can come out and steal game two. I think, like I said, I think they have a very they did a you know a lot of feeling out last night. Uh, tra- traditionally speaking, at least this postseason and and really under the Budenholzer era as a whole, you don't really see them lose back to back playoff games very often. And and with that said, I think this team is built differently to respond to a game like Game One. I mean, I think they had it down, like you said, Justin. They had it back down to seven or back down to nine at one point in that fourth quarter, where they made that run to make it a game for a little while, um, kind of even before garbage time, because it wasn't even quite garbage time, like where the game just gets closer towards the end. Um, I do think that they have a chance to. Really go and steal one, come back to Milwaukee for Sunday. The whole eyes on them. I can't really like. I, I mean, I fluctuate on this back and forth, back and forth of the series. And I can see a lot of times where I can predict Milwaukee winning. And I can have a lot of conversations where I can see, oh yeah, Phoenix and six, or Phoenix and seven. I'm kind of thinking Bucks and seven. If I'm being honest with you, I I think they can go get it done in game two. 
steal the home court. They might lose game four because I do think I'm, I'm agreeing with Ramsey before we record again. You will see Milwaukee come out win game three pretty emphatically, if I'm guessing so, at home on Sunday night too. I think Milwaukee looks good on Sunday. And then you really, I mean, game four is a toss-up, and then you've got a best two out of three and see what happens. And and I've said it this entire time, especially with the injury uh, that happened to the backup Phoenix Center last night, I think Milwaukee's a little bit deeper. I think Milwaukee as a whole has a lot more veteran experience that if they choose to go Bobby Portis over Brooke Lopez in those stretch minutes, I think you're sitting pretty. I mean, Brooke Lopez offensively last night, while he's limited defensively, he did have a stretch where I think he had six, seven, eight points in a row or something like that. Um, yeah, no, in the first six minutes or something like that. Right. So, I mean, he, he does still have a role with this team. I don't think any of us would debate that. It just right. it can't be where you're sitting there time and time again where he's playing 30-plus minutes in that game. I think, he, I think like I said, he ended up with 23 uh, last night. So I will go Bucks in seven. Like I, said, I think they can do it. I think they kind of take the monkey off the, the Wisconsin sports back, the Wisconsin sports heartbreak. I think they can get it done. All right. I like, I like the way you think, Eric. And if you ask me again tomorrow, I might switch my mind too. So I, like I said, I've, no, like, I've played ping pong in my uh, head with this, uh, you know, probably a billion times before we started recording. And that's just kind of where I'm at with this as we've kind of talked about what they can do. It's, it's a very realistic, like what the adjustments they need to make, whether or not they can go execute is the biggest question. Yep. I, 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 and I think we've nailed everything that we thought that they, they uh, need to do to, to win the series. I mean, it, out of the three players, or the five players that are on the court when you're talking, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Booker, and Paul, of those five, who do you want to beat you? Who who would you have? Even even nail it down out of those out of the big three when you talk Ayton, Booker, and Paul, who are you looking to have beat you? I think you've got to say Chris Paul. If Chris Paul's going to score 32 points, I mean, Phoenix deserves it, but you can't let Devin Booker go off and cook. You cannot let DeAndre Ayton have more than 20, 25 points. If Chris Paul's going to score 32, I think, I mean, I don't want to die by that sword, but I also don't, I don't think his career, especially, I think he shot uh, statistics, I guess if I know what his box score was, he shot four or seven from behind the arc last night. I think you can kind of live with that. You don't want that to happen, but it's. I think that's more of an anomaly than it's than it's the regular. Yeah. What would you say, Ramsey? Who would I want? I don't think you stop any one of those three. Those three are all all-star caliber players. Devin Booker especially has been kind of coming to the lead of his own. Chris Paul has been probably the best player in the playoffs. That he's been when he's outside the whole two games he missed to COVID, and um, DeAndre Ayton is just someone that we haven't really seen a player like him in a little while. So I think right. all three of them get theirs. I think what you need to do is make sure that you don't let the bench be you, and the Suns get big minutes off of the bench guys in. Or the Suns bench comes in and plays big minutes for stretches, 
and you can't let those guys are the ones that you can't. Well, your your two leading players for the Suns in Game One, uh, Johnson and Payne. Johnson playing twenty one minutes, had ten points, and Cameron Payne had uh, ten points in seventeen minutes. That's what I'm saying. Those those are the guys that you have to capitalize when Booker, Aiden, and Paul aren't on the floor all at the same time. And yeah. that's I think that's kind of going to be one of the keys of the series too, is if Milwaukee can limit opportunities to the Suns bench. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, just going off of my own question, out of out of the three that. Uh, that we talked about, I, I think if you're asking somebody to be or to, you're going to have to force to be the one to beat you, I would pick Aiton out of those three. Um, just because of, of the experience factor, um, I, I don't think you can you can rely on, on putting so much on Chris Paul. Uh, the guy has experience, and like Ramsey said, he's probably been the best player in the playoffs. Uh, he knows how to win. He knows how to hit a big shot. Uh, you don't want Devin Booker shooting big, big shots. If you're talking about forcing somebody to take a big shot at, at a big moment, I, I would pick Aiton. Um, and even if you're even if you're able to take one out of that three to, to have an unsuccessful night, kind of like what uh, Phoenix did to the Bucks. In Drew Holiday, if you're able to take one of those three out, they're not as good of a team as as they should be. So, I would pick Aiton to to probably try and beat us the most. All right, so we wrap up with what we always kind of root for, or uh, what we're going to be rooting for this coming week. Uh, one quick note, a little Wisconsin tie-in here: the Tampa Bay Lightning have officially defeated the Montreal Canadiens in Game 5 to win the Stanley Cup playoffs. So back-to-back Stanley Cups for Tampa Bay, head coached by uh, John Cooper, former Gamblers coach, also had their alternate captain, Ryan McDonough, uh, will win his second straight Stanley Cup. They defeat the Montreal Canadiens, who had Cole Caulfield, the Badgers standout, Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, from this year, who had made his playoff uh, debut this season, too. Um, so Tampa Bay, yeah. Tampa Bay wins their second straight Stanley Cup. With that, I'll let you guys start Ooh. here. Oh, Justin. Oh, you got you got to add one more. You got you you've got to add one more Wisconsin tie into it. Who's that? Frank the Tank, baby. Frank the Tank Kaminsky playing in the NBA Finals was the National Player of the Year for the Badgers. Uh, how awesome is that? The Tank, Frank the Tank. I mean, it's it's cool, but I want him to lose right now. Well, come, you still got to get that tie in, though. Well, I mean, not to the the Stanley Cup Finals, but <laughs> oh, okay. That would have been a great moment, you know, probably about five minutes ago, Justin, when we were talking about the, I've the got, series. I've got one. I've got one small question for Ramsey, and this we can keep this real tight. I don't know, Ramsey. Did you see uh, that Atlanta is going to reconfigure their track? I did. It's going to be more of a. Super speedway type track, correct? Like Darlington. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be tighter and bankier. It's gonna be repaved. It's gonna be quite interesting. I was just told, I was just wondering if you saw that and what maybe you, you had a quick, quick thought on that. Um, I think that it's good for NASCAR to be expanding and 
NASCAR with adding some of these road courses and taking dates away from mile and a half, that it's good that mile and a half are trying to do things to separate themselves. Yeah. You saw that even with uh, Auto Club out in California, Atlanta now. And we're going to start adding some of these tracks to the schedule that's going to make track owners look, hey, I don't want to lose both my dates, so let's figure out something. So it's always good to have innovation, especially in a sport like NASCAR. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that notion. All right, Justin, what are you rooting for this coming week before, or I guess the next half week, really, between now and Monday? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really, I mean, come on. What, what should we be rooting for? I mean, as Wisconsin fans, we, we've, we haven't seen this, and I, I can't remember what the actual stat of year is, and, and the math is going to, you know, since 1974, we'll go with that. Uh, we have to be rooting for, for the Bucks to, to kind of, you know, steal one, uh, or steal two games before we uh, we kind of do our podcast again here uh, on Monday and and hopefully the next time we talk we're up two to one and and we're feeling totally different about things. Ramsey, go Suns. Gotta be that way, don't you? Suns and six. All right. Well, I, I'm going to go the route that I always go. I want Milwaukee, the Brewers, to finish out before the All-Star break, finish on a high note. I guess it's a big series against the second-place team in the Central, that being the Cincinnati Reds. Hope they can go finish it out, have a good, strong end of the second or the first half of the season, go into the All-Star break, hopefully nine games up, if not ten. So we'll see where that ends up going. At least take two out of three. And with that, episode 30 is in the books. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. Justin at home. Signing off. We are out. See ya. Salud. Bye.